Deuteronomy 31, the last section of Deuteronomy, we start tonight. An era is ending. Moses, the faithful witness and mouthpiece of God, is about to die. We're back at the beginning of Deuteronomy. Chapter 3 ends with Moses pleading with Yahweh to let him cross over the Jordan. But Yahweh emphatically says no, but Joshua will lead them in. In fact, it's uh, if you read the end of chapter 3 and start 31. It's a seamless um, piece. But in between, we have had the covenant given, the stipulations of God's law, and uh, now we're back to Moses speaking. So Moses is leaving. What will God's people do? How will they manage? Who will lead them? That's the subject and exhortation of 31 and 32 this evening. That's the great theme of this section as it looks ahead to the people entering into the land. God, Yahweh, is the faithful one. Let's read uh, chapter 31 and then we'll go through it together. So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. Yahweh has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. Yahweh, your God himself, will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head, as the Lord has spoken. And Yahweh will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And Yahweh will give them over to you, and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is Yahweh your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua, and he said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that Yahweh has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is Yahweh who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Then Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who carried the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh, and to all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, At the end of every seven years, at the set time, in the year of release, at the Feast of Booths, When all Israel comes to appear before Yahweh your God at the place that he will choose, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, 
and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear Yahweh your God, and be careful to do all the words of this law, and that their children, who have not known it, may hear and learn to fear Yahweh your God, as long as you live in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. And Yahweh said to Moses, Behold, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tent of meeting that I may commission him. And Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tent of meeting. And Yahweh appeared in the tent in a pillar of cloud, and the pillar of cloud stood over the entrance of the tent. And Yahweh said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. Then this people will rise and whore after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering, and they will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them and hide my face from them, and they will be devoured, and many evils and troubles will come upon them, so that they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day because of the evil that they have done, because they have turned to other gods. Now, therefore, write this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel For when I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to give to their fathers, and they have eaten and are full and grown fat, they will turn to other gods and serve them and despise me and break my covenant. And when many evils and troubles have come upon them, this song shall confront them as a witness, for it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring." For I know what they are inclined to do even today before I have brought them into the land that I swore to give. So Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the people of Israel. And Yahweh commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them. I will be with you. When Moses had finished writing the words of this law in a book to the very end, Moses commanded the Levites who carried the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh, take this book of the law and put it by the side of the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh your God, that it may be there for a witness against you. For I know how rebellious and stubborn you are. Behold, even today, while I am yet alive with you, You have been rebellious against Yahweh. How much more after my death? Assemble to me all the elders of your tribes and your officers, that I may speak these words in their ears and call heaven and earth to witness against them. For I know that after my death you will surely act corruptly and turn aside from the way that I have commanded you. And in the days to come, evil will befall you because you will do what is evil in the sight of Yahweh, provoking him to anger through the work of your hands. And we'll stop, stop there. The, the next section is the song itself. Um, 
that was mentioned here, and we'll go over that next week, Lord willing. That is the sum of chapter 30, 32. So, the section is framed by the fact that Moses is not able to go in and out and will not lead the people into the land. That's where Moses begins. Why is Moses not able? What is it that makes him unable? He disobeyed God. Yeah, that's not explicitly mentioned yet, but or in this section, but yeah, that's right. But he's 120. I mean, normally 120 years old, you'd think that's pretty typical. Yeah, he's not able to, to do it anymore. Uh, he's a tottering old man. Uh, any second now, it's going to happen, right? But that's not the case with Moses. In 34.7, says, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dimmed and his vigor unabated. This is a man in his 40s who's 120 years old. 40s, I'm, you know, in my 40s, so, you know. Anyway. Um, no, Moses is sound in body and mind and vision. So what is it? that is preventing him from going in. John. He did. Yeah. Yeah, that's the incident. It, it wasn't as if Moses didn't want to go in. In fact, if you look back at uh, chapter 3, verse 28, I believe. Oh, sorry, 23. Moses said, and I pleaded with Yahweh at that time, saying, O Yahweh, God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? Please let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that good hill country in Lebanon. But Yahweh was angry with me because of you and would not listen to me. And Yahweh said to me, Enough from you. Do not speak to me of this matter again. Go up to the top of Pisgah and lift up your eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward and look at it with your eyes, for you shall not go over this Jordan. But charge Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he shall go over at the head of this people, and he shall put them in possession of the land that you shall see. So Moses wanted to go in. He was physically able to. But God said no. And that was enough for Moses. Pretty remarkable. We can see the wisdom of God in this. For here's Moses the giant, the servant who God spoke face to face. People like us, people like the Israelites are prone to idolatry. Even God's servants can become a stumbling block. 
And so here is God clearly saying, no, Moses will not do it. You're going to go up the mountain and you're going to die. And Joshua will lead the people in. We get concerned when our leaders go away, do we not? We get concerned what's going to happen to us. Who's going to lead us? But the answer, of course, is who is Moses? He's just a servant. A servant who is faithful, but he's just a servant. Verses 3 to 6 follows right after that. Yahweh himself will go over before you. And Yahweh has established a new leader to lead the people, and that's Joshua. Here is the faithfulness of God, turning the eyes of the people back to himself. And then he keeps reminding them of his past faithfulness. What does he say that he did immediately? You've already defeated some enemies. You remember Sihon and Og, those great nations? They came out to destroy you, and you whipped them. Why? Because I was with you. You're going to do to them, to the people in Canaan, just what you did to Sihon and Og. Don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous, because I am with you, and... I will never leave you or forsake you. This is from the mouth of Moses, God's mouthpiece, speaking to the people. Yahweh himself will go over before you. It's not because of the people's strength. It's not because of their military brilliance or might. It's because Yahweh is with them. Their God, their faithful ever-present God is with them. It's interesting, that's repeated twice in uh, the command to be strong and courageous and do not fear and be in dread of them as given to the people first. And then Moses summons Joshua and gives them exactly the same command. See that there in verse 7. In the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is Yahweh who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. When we went through uh, Joshua, you remember how often that came up? Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear. Do not be in dread of them. It's repeated so often. I wonder if Joshua may not have been a bit timid. I don't know. The people. It wouldn't surprise me because God's power is made perfect in weakness. What better way than Joshua's no Moses? But here's Joshua. Be strong and courageous, for Yahweh your God is with you. It's kind of God's way, I think. 
I don't know that for certain, but the command is there. And in our own strength, we know that we are not strong in ourselves. Be strong and courageous in the Lord. This chapter um, begins with Moses speaking to Joshua. And then God comes down, and it's the only time in the book of Deuteronomy that the presence of God comes down and rests on the tent of meeting, right here in verse 14. Comes down and rests on the tent of meeting, and God calls Joshua and Moses and speaks to them here. So Moses speaks to Joshua. God comes down, speaks to Moses and Joshua. And then in verse 23, God speaks directly to Joshua. It is this transition, Moses speaking, God speaking to Moses and Joshua, God speaking to Joshua. After this point, um, the Lord does not speak through Moses again. He gives him a command to go up the mountain and die. But from this point on, God is speaking to Joshua directly here, but then it's through the word that is written down that we're going to look at here in a moment. Um, So verses 9 to 13, uh, Moses had been the mouthpiece of God. Yahweh spoke to him, and he had turned and spoken to the people. But that time is ending. God is not going to speak directly to a man who then speaks to the people. So, if Moses, their leader, is leaving, Joshua is replacing him. If Moses, the mouthpiece of God, is leaving, what is their option? What are they left with? What do they have? Do they no longer have God's voice? have his word. You see that in 9 to 13 there? Then Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priests, sons of Levi who carried the ark, and Moses commanded them to read it every seven years. At the, uh, the end of every seven years, what was that thing that happened at the end of every seven years? Do you remember? Jubilee was the 50th year, but uh, the year of release right? The, the freedom for the captives, the fields returned. That's, that's the jubilee, but the Sabbath rest in the land. And the Feast of Booths, which was the harvest feast. You bring the, the bounty that the Lord has given, and you come and you celebrate before the Lord. So at that time, God commands this law to be read to them. So perfectly displaying what happened to the people of Israel. They were slaves in Egypt, and God came and delivered them. God came and delivered them, brought them out with a mighty hand, and gave them his law. And here they are now full of bounty. Just the harvest is pouring in. Who do they have to thank for it? Yahweh their God. Every seven years, this constant reminder to do this, to come and to remember what Yahweh their God did for them. 
written down, read, practiced. It's interesting to note that in the rest of the Old Testament, there is never a record of this being done. You see uh, the Passover being celebrated. Uh, There's reminders of that, but there's never a record of this ever being done. And what happened? Maybe they did, but there's never a record of, of them doing it. It's never saying, you know, David... You know, David doesn't talk about David doing it or any of the, uh, um, the other kings of Israel. Doesn't talk about it during Judges. It never talks about this happening. And what happened? They forgot. They forgot. They left Yahweh their God, and God brought the curses upon them. I think instructive for us to remember to read, to listen to what God tells us. He gives us things all the time to remind us to do the things that he's commanded us to do, to remember them. And yet, how often do we really take them up, listen to them, believe it? Fourteen to fifteen. As I mentioned, this is the only point that uh, Yahweh comes down in that pillar of cloud, and it is the commissioning of Joshua, um, that transfer of leadership from Moses um, to Joshua. And uh, and then we have the content of what God said to them. Now, as we were reading through this, did it surprise any of you, the content that God spoke to Moses, what he said to Moses, what he said to Joshua is kind of what we would expect, but what he said to Moses is a bit unexpected, I think. Do you think? Am I the only one that thought that? Do you remember even what it said? Maybe that's the problem. Jesse? Right. Yeah. Yeah. He speaks, and the words that he speaks to the people, this people will forsake me and break my covenant. They'll condemn God when trouble comes upon them for their unfaithfulness. And in that day, God's going to hide his face from his people. Whew. Not exactly what I would expect. So what's to be done about it? What does God tell Moses to do? Better write a song. Better write a song. We're going to write a song about it. It's going to be a song all about God's faithfulness, And it's going to be a witness against the people of Israel. Interesting. A witness against them. So how is it a witness against them? 
Next week, we're going to look at the song itself, but here we have its summary form, and it says, God is faithful. God is true. God always does what he says he will do. But the people, the people are going to grow fat. They're going to forget God and they're going to turn to idols. But as songs do, they're going to live in the memories of the people. They're going to live in the ditties that the children are singing in the streets. How many ditties do you guys have floating around in your heads? I mean, just 12? Wow, you're pretty good. I've been listening to, to old songs, and I'm amazed at how many songs I know. Um, as the words kind of come, I, didn't, I don't remember memorizing them, and yet they're there. They're there in my mind. Um, well, here is a song, and its purpose is to confront the people and testify against them, God is faithful and you are not. And it also testifies of the knowledge that God has of his people. He knows that they're going to do this. And yet what is he doing? He's leading them into the land. He's provisioning for them. He's giving them Joshua. He's giving them the law written down. He's giving them a song that they will remember, that they will believe and obey. What a great God. What a faithful God. Verse 23. God for the first time speaks directly to Joshua and the transition from Moses to Joshua is complete. And what is the content of that speech? Be strong and courageous. I've heard that before. You shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them. And I, it's not Moses telling Joshua that God will be with him. That's good. But to have God himself speak to you, I will be with you. What an encouragement. What an encouragement for God's people that God will be with this new leader Twenty-four. We go back again to the writing of the law. Before the law was written, there um, Moses' words were ending, and the law is written down for the people to know what God has said. Well, here we have the law being written down, recorded again, but it has a purpose again here. And what is its purpose in 24 through 27? Another witness against the people. Ah, we have two witnesses now. We have a song. and We have the law written down next to the Ark of the Covenant. A place where it can be read to the people and heard and understood. And it's a witness again against the people. What is the witness? They are rebellious, stubborn, and stiff-necked people. 
not exactly what you like to hear. And yet it's true. Here we have the second witness. Verse 28 to 39, or 29, we have the final witness. So we not only have two witnesses, we have the song, we have the law, but our final witness in 28 to 29 is what? You see that there? Moses' witness, but it's, he calls on something, heaven and earth, to witness against them. And again, the witness against them is that they are surely going to act corruptly and turn aside from the way that I have commanded you. In the days to come, evil will befall you because you will do what is evil in the sight of Yahweh, provoking him to anger through the work of your hands. So what do you do with this? What do you do with this? How do you like having your noses shoved into your own filth? You're a rebellious, stiff-necked, stubborn people. Dan, do you have something? Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's certainly um, certainly there. I, I wonder at the people though, at this time, you know, what what would their reaction have been? What how would they have responded? You know, they don't have the actual happening of it. Seeing that history, the kings now coming. Maybe the king's going to be. Oh no, that doesn't work out either. They go into exile, and then Christ comes. They don't have all that, as we do. So what, what do we do with this? Well, to be honest, I don't like hearing it either. I don't think any more than the Israelites would have liked it. But if it's the truth then we must listen, trust, and believe it. Here we have, at the beginning of 31, we have a faithful God transitioning the people, speaking of his faithfulness. I defeated Sihon and Og. Moses has led them. I'm not leaving or forsaking them. We have a faithful God held up. And in the second half of the chapter, we have a, a witness against the people. The people are not going to cut it. We have a huge contrast. We have God on the one hand, and we have the people, us, on the other. 
There is no faithfulness in us. You will not be faithful to Yahweh your God. We have witnesses that speak the truth of this. But more importantly, where do we turn if that is the truth about us? Where do we turn if we are not faithful? Did you have something, Steve? Um, kind of. Okay. I've been reading some articles about Martin Luther and uh, his appearance in the Diet of Worms. And uh, just so impressive, his articulation of the gospel is relenting in the face of tremendous political and ecclesiastical obstacles because the church had become so embroiled in their own imaginations of what God wanted them to do. Power sustained going forward. Uh, and so when Martin Luther was uh, called to testify about whether he was going to recant his statements, it, it emboldened him because he was, again, listening to God's word that he was teaching through the Psalms and through Romans. And he couldn't go backwards because that was the truth. That we're only saved through the righteousness that God gives us. Yeah. The rest of it is absolutely corrupt. And the Roman church Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I think that's what, what we have going on here. So we have the faithfulness of God and the fickleness and stubbornness and rebelliousness of the people on the other hand. And where do you turn? What do you do with that? Well, this final witness brings up at the end of the chapter 30. Also, if you look back at chapter 30, verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving Yahweh your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that Yahweh swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. God will not abandon you or leave you or forsake you. So why would you turn away from him? Why would you trust in your own strength? I got it. Isn't this kind of what we do? Things are going well. Eh, I don't have time to pray. I don't really, you know got too many important things going on or yeah life's going really well for me God must be blessing me it's kind of how we think isn't it well, what happened what does God say is going to happen when they get into the land this land flowing with milk and honey they're going to turn to other gods and serve them because they got full and have grown fat we get self-sufficient but why on earth would you look at yourself? We are rebellious, stubborn, stiff-necked people prone to wander. Why would we look to ourselves? Look to Christ. 
Look to our God. He is faithful. He is your life and length of days. Don't even look to your own faithfulness. That's not where it's at. It's Him. Look to Him. Cling to Him. Have you noticed that trouble seemed to follow God's people? Why is that? I think surely one reason is that when we are content and full and fat, that's when we forget God. But troubles seem to drive us to Him. We know that we need Him. He alone is our life and length of days. Do not forget Him. Do not abandon Him. This song we're going to see at the end of 32 is meant to do that. He says, Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today that, may, that you may command them to your children and that they may be careful to do all the words of this law for it is no empty word for you but your very life. And by this word you shall live long in the land that you are going over to possess. Cling to the Lord. By ourselves we are nothing. There's one more thing before we close that I'd like to point out. Moses is telling Israel what is going to happen to him. He's going to be removed from leadership, go up the mountain, and die. But how quiet he is. Yahweh told him, and he's going to obey it. It's not what he wants. He pleaded with the Lord, if you recall. How different from the people of Israel when they were told they couldn't enter the land. Do you remember the last time? Oh no, we can't go in. They're too big and strong. Okay, you're not going to go in. Oh no, let's go in. We can do it. We can do it in our own strength. No, don't go in. I'm not going to go with you. In they go and they get defeated and whipped all the way back. But here's Moses, quiet, listening to the voice of God to something he doesn't want to do and obeying it. How different. It reminds me of Paul pleading three times with the Lord, take this from me. What does God say? Nope. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Or ultimately, our Lord in the garden. Father, if there is any other way, take this cup from me. Three times he pled. There was no other way. And faithfully, he walked to the cross and took away your sin and mine. That is the faithful God. And that is a God we can look to and love and serve and never, never let go of him. Amen. Let's pray. Our God, we...